I want to talk about value today. This is such an important topic. I feel like I just cannot emphasize it enough. And I'm learning how to speak about these things to break them down into really simple, like bite-sized nuggets. Because I think about my own journey with value because I felt so inherently worthless for so many years. I never felt enough. I never felt good enough, pretty enough, smart enough. Um, yeah, it just like ruled my life because these were things in my deep subconscious mind and you know, the subconscious mind, it, it just, it rules everything. And so pretty recently within like the past year or two, I, I feel like my life has just changed so much in kind of a short period of time for someone who did not feel worthy or enough for like 29 years of my life, basically, you know? So I want to also just like right off the bat instill hope in people who are like, I just don't know how to feel enough. You know, I've been in therapy for potentially decades. I've been working on myself for so long and I still just don't feel like that deep sense of worthiness and enoughness and like I'm, I'm good enough. Like just always that sense of inadequacy and like imposter syndrome. And like you'll never be good enough until you are perfect. And so I guess this drops me into like the first little like mind practice exercise thing is that I want you to imagine who that, and I'm gonna kind of direct this at women because that's who I coach, who is that perfect person? Like a really great little exercise that I give some of my clients sometimes when this comes up and when I think this is gonna be helpful is like either imagining who that perfect, you know, woman is that you're trying to be but never feel like you can be. I mean, going through like all the details, what does her hair look like? What does her makeup look like? Um, or lack thereof, what does her, you know, kind of all the externals and then all of the internals. What does she feel like? What are her thoughts? Like, how does she show up? What are her personality traits? And just go through all, because this image, it's really surprising sometimes because it's like so deep in us sometimes where it just feels like all of these like random bits of like, oh, I feel jealous here and I wish I could be this person or like, why am I not like this? And that's what I want. I wish I could be like that. It's like we have all these fragments of what we think perfection is, but then when you put it all together, it gives you like a really clear sense of the person you're trying to be versus the person that you perceive yourself to be and the differences and even, you know, a lot of the similarities. So I think that's a really, a really good, important tool. And in coaching, it's just so amazing and so interesting because clarity is so important, becoming really clear, not only about like what we want, our goals, like in like a forward thinking sense, but also becoming clear on what is going on in our mind right now that is like keeping us from the things that we want like there are clear things happening deep in the mind clear kind of like boundaries images um 
even like feelings, you know, just very clear things going on that are just below the surface. And this is what's really cool about coaching is like pulling those things to the surface and looking at them and being like, it's really not so scary. Like now that we bring it up and we're seeing it, like we can interact with it. We can ask this part of you questions. You know, we can like, for example, ask that perfect, you know, person idea image that you've created. We can communicate with it. We can see, you know, what's going on. And so, yeah, conjuring that image, that, that person that you are, who, you know, literally does not actually exist. It's just like fragmented in a lot of different people and um, pulling everything together. So just kind of taking a moment, you know, whether you journal about it, whether you think about it, whether you like are into graphic design or art and actually like create an image of this person, it's a really cool exercise. Next, and I wanna just like slow down for a second. I want to talk about neurotypicality because we're talking about about value here and those deep beliefs in us about not being enough, which is a complex reaction to a lot of different things that have happened and confirmation biases and experiences and just there's so much in there so yeah it's a really complex thing and what I found kind of like what I said before I think um, is like this is something I was steeped in for like 29 years and I just I feel like I've moved through it pretty quickly in the past year or two so it's not like a life sentence and it doesn't always take a super long time to sift through it's like there are a couple different like mind shifts i think of like gears in the mind and you're just like shifting like one gear two gears um yeah so that's that's what we're talking about now so neurotypicality versus neuroatypicality. I mean, this society is structured, or I'm talking about like Western American society. I can't speak for other societies necessarily, but I know like Westernization has spread far and wide. Um, this society really values neuroatypicality. This society really values the um, qualities of like extroverts which is like a whole thing, extrovert, introvert, very like black and white. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the people who are not shy, the people who are comfortable with other people, have no social anxiety, are social butterflies, um, are comfortable seeming with themselves. And, you know, whether those things are like an act or real, it doesn't really matter in the eyes of like society at large is kind of how I see it. And these are just like my opinions. And I, I do want to like preface all of this with that. It's like, this is, these are my opinions and my own experiences. Um, and then neuroatypical people are people who, so I do have a definition written down here. So not displaying, or actually, let's go with this one. Neurodivergent, which is same as neuroatypical, refers to an individual who has a less, 
less typical cognitive variations such as autism, ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, etc. Neurotypical refers to individuals of typical development and intellectual slash cognitive functioning. It's really interesting because I know way more people who would fit the neuroatypical structure than the neurotypical. And I would even include in the neuroatypical structure things like severe anxiety, panic disorder, um, severe depression. And I wonder, um, yeah, there's like another definition that includes those things too, but I'm not sure. It's interesting. It's complicated too. But yeah, basically here's society telling you to be a certain way, right? Telling you you need to be a certain way to get the kind of access, to get the kind of resources, to get the kind of support um, to thrive. It's like the people who are seen as or you know are neurotypical seen as neurotypical are the ones who get rewarded and the ones and this is like so distilled or not distilled i forget the word for that but like um i'm this is very in very simplistic terms and then the people who are neuroatypical are oh my gosh i mean there's so much like shamed for being who they are, bullied potentially, um, not offered the same support because, you know, maybe people like don't really know how to work with them or like knowledge, you know, and acceptance of people who are different at all from like our perceived norm just don't like get the kind of help and, and it's getting way better. But this is a real problem, a real problem for developing minds for anyone, anyone with a brain who's prone to ADHD, severe anxiety, um, autism, you know, everything. And the problem is society makes it seem like you are wrong, not that it is wrong. And this is like a main thing in the coaching that I do with people and what I feel so passionate about. You were never wrong. I just want to like say that. And that was a huge, important, like little sentence that helped me start to decondition myself from feeling like I was unworthy. Simply just like, you're not wrong, you're not broken, society is wrong for not accepting, embracing, nurturing and nourishing the type of brain and the type of person that you are so that you can succeed in all of the ways that neurotypical people can succeed. So, yeah, there's not even close to enough space for people 
to have brains that veer from what we deem societally acceptable and often those brains are highly intelligent creative fucking brilliant capable world-changing inventive brains right who just need the right environment so important and when we talk about environment we're talking about society at large we're talking about any kind of space where that person is able to thrive in any way environment this environment can be external this environment can be internal so when we talk about neuroatypicality i think of internal environments and how people who are neuroatypical can also be highly sensitive they can be people who are very impacted by their external environments their external environments can really affect their own self-concept which is only natural it's only normal there's nothing wrong with that being the way people develop that's how it is but when we think of our internal environment if in our heads we're thinking you know in the background in our subconscious minds i'm wrong i'm not enough this happened because i'm stupid you know i can't ever um do anything right you know everyone's gonna abandon me because i'm the worst etc right and this brings me to my next point that brains are fundamentally real assholes brains i love them i love you brain and yet you are fundamentally an asshole <laughs> And it's not, this is getting very like, I don't know, meta or something, but like brains, like our brain is always trying to keep us safe. So fundamentally, I, I suppose it's not an asshole in that way, but place our brains in this modern society, take away the need to survive in the sense of like running away from jaguars and shit and plop us in this world and our brains are going to confuse trauma responses, stress responses um, for things that aren't like uh, actually really harmful in like a bodily way, like something that could actually kill us right like we confuse the signals get confused where we're like i'm dying but we're actually it gives me a lot of compassion for myself because i think about like oh man like brain my sweet brain just trying to keep me safe trying to keep me safe from danger whatever the perceived danger is. And then I think about how we also, you know, our nervous systems try to keep us safe from not just jaguars chasing us, but vulnerability, getting our hearts broken, getting hurt, losing everything, being abandoned, things like that. So when I think about imposter syndrome, and I'm gonna kind of like change directions, switch gears a little bit here, Convincing yourself that you're dumb, not good enough to be in a room full of people who seem better than you or smarter. 
your brain is protecting you from taking risks, from possible mistakes, from things like getting up and making a presentation out of the blue, being confident enough to do that, raising your hand um, and saying you don't agree with something that was said. You know, it's like that kind of confidence that we do not associate with people who feel like they are imposters. That is inherently risky behavior for our nervous systems, especially a nervous system that is primed from trauma, that has a lot of anxieties going on, a lot of like act activation, nervous system activation, heightened responses. And so I want to come back to this again. Nothing is wrong with you and you are not broken. Your body and your brain is working as it should based on your specific blueprint your personality, your experiences, your reactivity, your highly sensitive nature, the environment of the society that you grew up in. Um, your reactions are not wrong. You are not wrong. You are not broken. And, and that is something that if you take nothing else from this conversation, I want you to take that. So next. I want to talk about self-responsibility. This can be triggering. It is also very nuanced. Nuanced is like my favorite word nowadays. I think I've said it like a hundred times in the past week, but I love it. So self-responsibility. Yes, society may not have been kind to you in all the ways that it as a whole was kind to some other people, but you can be kind to yourself. You can create an internal environment. Ugh, I'm just like getting an image of like a garden in my brain and my body, just like a beautiful, serene garden with like vast meadows and like deer hopping around and flowers. Like your brain can be that with some practice, some tools some reframes, some deconditioning. No matter how scary and fucked up seeming the external environment that you live in is. And so, yeah, you do have that power. And I also just want to offer that I am here as a resource. This is my life's work. I am very passionate about helping people with this specifically with feeling enough and feeling like they are valuable and i want to ask like if you felt totally valuable totally inherently worthy and enough more than enough who would you be how would you act how would you feel how would you carry yourself in the world and in coaching, this is such a crucial component of the work that I do with women. Again, it's that clarity piece, becoming so clear on who, how you want to be and what you want to feel and really anchoring those things into your body. How do I say this? Say we get everything we want externally. We get everything we want. If we haven't worked on things like 
gratitude, surrender, internal harmony and a sense of peace and spaciousness, self-compassion, acceptance. Who do you think you'll be when you get everything you want? It's going to be the same shit, the same brain, the same wiring, but just place it into an environment where you have all the externals. You're still going to find shit to complain about. You're still going to find ways in which this is wrong or this doesn't feel right or you're an imposter. You don't deserve this. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like you have to bring your brain with you on that journey to actually see the value in it to see the value in those things that you want you have to see the value in yourself you also have to practice creating those new neuronal circuits that loop around how grateful you are again what it feels like to feel total peace and surrender in your body and practice of being in that space integrating it embodying it um, yeah, I could go on. The belief has to precede the goal. And then if we think about, well, how do I want to feel when I get all those things? What is money going to do for me? What is what are the best friends in the world surrounding me you know all the time gonna do for me what is the best partner in the world gonna do for me how am i gonna feel and we take those feelings those are your values those are the things that are most important to you those are the things that you want to feel and feelings are available to us and that's a whole other thing but we can practice feeling the feeling and actually like creating those circuits in our brain. I think of neuroplasticity and how, how like freaking key that is. So I wanna share with you a couple of beliefs um, that I came up with. And some of these may be other people's beliefs that I have copied and pasted, but I'll try to stick with mine, but it doesn't really matter. So. And these are beliefs that I, I recorded in like a voice memo thing on my phone. And I, I would just play it. I just play it over and over when I'm driving. And your brain may not be one for affirmation type things. And this is just one tool. Just know like, again, whatever tools work for your brain are what tools work for your brain. You are not better or worse for if the tool of affirmation works or doesn't for you. It's just a thing, there are so many tools out there. So a couple of affirmations or beliefs that have helped me solidify and embody my own value are nothing has gone wrong. You know, that's a good one because things simultaneously are going wrong all the time and not going wrong and it's a a perception thing it's also like there, there are so many layers to this right so it's like choosing to believe the thought that feels better in my body like why would I not do that nothing has gone wrong um, let's see you aren't broken or I'm not broken it's working whatever it is that I'm like working on at that point um, I always know what to say 
and I'm a coach, so a lot of these I'm going to skip through them because you may not be a coach. Um, but yeah, things like, here's one, I am valuable. <laughs> Simple. I create so much value in the world, you know? People are drawn to my energy. I am a clear channel. I love myself. I am true to who I am. I get to show up exactly as I am and it is enough. That is such a good one. That one has helped me a lot. I'm allowed to make mistakes. And actually mistakes show that I am working towards something and stepping out of my comfort zone and making shit happen. I am allowed to not be perfect. I'm ready to talk to anyone at any time. I am myself in any situation. I am not afraid to take up space. I love people so much. People love me so much. Like, why would I not think those things? It's so much easier because of the brain being an asshole and trying to keep you safe to think people, everyone fucking hates me. I'm the worst. Oh God, it's like that social anxiety thing. It's like, what? why? Why are we thinking that, you know? In reality, there's there's neutrality. There are some people who maybe hate you, some people who maybe love you, but more likely people who feel pretty neutral towards you or kind of like you or like you, you know? So it's like, people like me, people love me. It's all good. Let's see what else. Um, I can figure this out. I can do that too. Um, it doesn't take time. Things can happen quickly. That's like... For, yeah any kind of shift um, yeah I'm always open to meeting new people making new friends a lot of these are about like socializing I definitely have social anxiety so a lot of these have like really helped me and it's it's just a practice you just keep doing it you keep telling yourself these things because if you can choose between two thoughts people love me or hate me why not choose people love me why not choose I love meeting new people instead of I fucking hate meeting new people, you know? And then I think about, as a coach, and you can do this with obviously whatever profession you are in, whatever your life's work is, whatever the work you do is, whatever you're passionate about. I wrote down, these are a bunch of things from my coach, Stacey Bayman. And it's like, how am I valuable as a coach? Or, you know, how am I valuable as a mathematician, an artist, a caregiver, a nurse, a healer, whatever? How am I val valuable in this profession that I'm in? This is so important for you to show up in your work, whatever that may be. And because I do coach um, healers, caregivers, artists, women like that, for you to show up in your work, and know not only your value of you as a person, but the value of your work and what you're putting out into the world. Like you will show up, you will fucking show up if you know the value of your work. Like that is just true because your mission will be bigger than your anxiety, than your fear, than your asshole brain telling you just sit down and shut up. You're too stupid, no one cares what you have to say. When you are in a place where you know the value of your work, you will put yourself out there over and over and over relentlessly. 
because your mission will be more important than any of the feelings that arise in your body. You can handle feelings. And so th these are, yeah, a couple of things that Stacey Bayman wrote out that I really like. Hiring a coach is the cheapest, fastest way to get results. The most expensive way to learn is through experience. Working with a coach eliminates years of unnecessary trial and error. Coaches show you all of your blind spots. They see the car moving up on your side and alert you before you ever even decide to switch lanes. I don't remember that one, that's interesting. A coach will tell you what you need to know to grow, not what you want to hear. The difference is profound. You can't get honest feedback like that anywhere. Coaches work without their beliefs, judgments, and opinions. They focus on what you want and what is keeping you from getting there. A coach listens to you talk and points out anything they hear that doesn't serve you for who you want to be, how you want to feel, and where you want to go. I mean, this is like so long. That point in particular is so important. Me as a coach, I, you know, one of my main things in coaching is being unbiased, like showing you your brain. That's what I'm doing. And your brain, everyone's brain goes to really weird places when they don't even realize it. It's like having a mirror and being like, do you notice that the word you used is this? And like, how does this word make you feel? Like, what is your somatic experience of that word? And they're like, oh my God, it's like anxiety and fear. Like, why am I using that word to describe this thing that I could use other words for, you know? So yeah, I... I'm going to end this here. I hope this was really helpful. It's a long conversation and yeah, there's a lot in here. So I really hope you got value out of this that you can start to let this sink in and integrate and start to decondition some of these things that have gotten really deep into your body, into your heart, into your mind about your inherent value as a person and use some of these tools to help reconstruct this image of yourself that comes from a place of such love and compassion to get you to where you want to be and how you want to feel. Okay, bye everyone.